There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Dive into summer with Yumiko's July Ready to Wear collection. Whether you are standing out in your Zoom classes at home or safely in the studio, their new options are here to prepare you for all your summer course needs. In addition to the continuation of the Shop Boutique page online, Yumiko is excited to now bring parts of the New York City store to you virtually through their first series of Instagram Live events. Yumiko will be showcasing exclusive in-store options available to ship immediately with one special leotard offered at a discount and a small gift included with each purchase. Stay tuned for live event details, new releases, and New York City store reopening updates at yumiko.com and at yumiko on Instagram. I'm Rebecca King-Ferraro. And I'm Michael Breeden, and you're listening to Conversations on Dance. Today on Conversations on Dance, we chat with Vail Dance Festival Artistic Director Damian Wetzel to get a preview of what is in store for their eight-night digital festival, July 31st through August 7th. Damian tells us what it was like to have to decide to cancel the in-person festival and move to a digital format, how they have chosen what the audience will get to see, offers us some previews of different pieces, and shares what he hopes audiences will take away from these incredible eight evenings of Vail Dance Festival content. As a part of the festival, you can catch three full evenings of conversations on dance. On August 3rd, we chat with Lil Buck. August 5th, with James Whiteside and Isabella Boylston of American Ballet Theater. And Calvin Royal III, the festival's artist-in-residence for 2020 and 2021. Don't miss a moment of the action. For more information on these free digital events, visit veildance.org and be sure to connect with them on social media. Damien, thank you so much for joining us today to sit down for a few minutes to talk about the Vail Dance Festival Digital Edition. We can't wait to hear what you have in store for us. Thanks so much. Uh, it's great to talk with you always. And thank you for being a part of the festival the last several years and uh, right up into the virtual world now. Uh, we were so excited that you that we were still able to be a part this year. I mean, 
as we all know, this is a year unlike any other. And uh, I think we, we could start a little bit by talking about um, what that was like for you as artistic director to have to make the decision to shift everything to virtual content and then um, what your process was in um, picking out the best content for viewers, some of whom who've never been able to come to the Baileyance Festival. Well, you know, so I quickly, you know, realized that we had to uh, act in the best interests um, of the artists, of the audience, of the, all the, the people involved in the festival on every level and recognize that uh, it simply was going to be impossible uh, to do uh, what we would normally do. And then further from that, you know, you start planning the what ifs, what mm -hmm. if, what if. And in the end, uh, the biggest what if was almost, you know, it started to look you know, like a wonderful possibility. What if we were able to share on a different level, so much of what's happened in Vail that people haven't seen. Mm -hmm. uh, and that was, you know, in the end, you start to, to make lemonade. Mm -hmm. uh, and you think, all right, so these are, these are pivotal moments in artists' careers uh, that, you know, I think we, we hope and we see that they, you know, go on from Vail to, to take, take it with them. And, mm -hmm. you know, it keeps expanding. But many of the, the works, uh, whether they're new works or debuts or, you know, new partnerships, uh, you know, have a, have a moment in time in Vail. Mm -hmm. And this is a great chance to, to share those, those, uh, those pivotal moments. Mm -hmm. It's also kind of a great, uh, a great chance to take a step back for me uh, as director, uh, 14 years now. Uh, and look at so much of the development of individual artists, of choreographers, composers, uh, Veil itself, the stage, you know, and I remember the first year I was director, uh, we built wings, there weren't wings. Suddenly you could do things that you couldn't do and then an orchestra pit and then, you know, and on and on that, that development is also important to catalog. You know, I, I looked at it like, okay. And then the, the challenge of course is, uh, how to stop yourself, <laughs> There's, uh, you know, so many, so many exciting things in, in memory uh, and so many artists who've passed through Vail uh, in different time periods, but it really is a community of, uh, of artists that kind of descend in one place every summer, really take advantage of that moment being together. Uh, often, you know, having at least 50% of what you're going to do as an unknown <laughs> in a sense, as you arrive, you don't quite know. Uh, and then, uh, you know, you, you iron chef, you know, we have some amazing, amazing ingredients. Before we, we move on, can we talk a little bit more about that? Cause it's one of my absolute favorite things. Like every time we get a guest on, they talk about just what you, you mentioned that 50% of what happens isn't necessarily pre-planned and how like on the, uh, you know, spur of the moment you might decide that this X dancer would be really good in X pot da And now, you know, let's see it, let's do it tomorrow. Like what, what are some of your most memorable sort of uh, last minute decisions that have happened at the Vail Dance Festival and um, what that's brought out of the dancers? Well, you know, there's a range of things. Some of them might be a new work that we certainly thought about, but then it just starts to take on dimension after dimension. And probably the, you know, an uh, ultimate example of that is Michelle Dorrance's piece, We Seem to Be More Than One, which will close out the festival uh, this year, this digital festival. And that was just, you know, she and I had talked about the possibilities when you have, you know, street dancers, ballet dancers, modern dancers, contemporary dancers, flamenco dancers, mm -hmm. dancers. Uh, and then it turned into, and what kind of musicians do we have? We've got, you know, 
incredible Savannah Harris drummer. We've got Brooklyn Ryder. We've got Kate, Kate Davis's voice, and mm -hmm. you know, and what's going to happen. And then, uh, as you kind of get your feet on the ground, and you start to see, you know, wow, how audacious are we going to be with this? Mm -hmm. uh, and you know, midnight the night before the premiere, we all were like you know, breathing hard, <laughs> right. including, including me who ended up in it. Uh, <laughs> you know, that, that's a, a, an example of kind of the, you know, that, that spirit of, you know, we don't get these kind of chances. One right. of the favorite ones that we know of is the ballet that Pam Tanowitz did for Patricia Delgado. And that wasn't supposed to happen, but they shared a car driving right. from the airport mm -hmm. to Vail the first time they met each other. And then I think they, did they come to you and say like, Hey, we want to do something together. How to from the van. I have a text from the van. Uh, and know, we're seeing that as part of the festival, correct? And that'll be on uh, one of the performances. Yes. Yeah, Solo for Patricia aptly named. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I think it was, uh, you know, a little, telephone going on there was they were in the van together and they texted me and i think pam uh texted colin jacobson uh a violin from brooklyn rider and said what if what do you think about music and next thing you know uh and of course you know me i was like yes, yes. <laughs> great uh so that's a that's a, a great example of that just kind of you know opportunity let's just let's do this this is a chance as soon as right. wheels are down in veil it starts <laughs> well and also kind of you know the spaces become animated with with that creativity and that's mm -hmm. uh, something else I love. You know, it's not untypical to go down into the basement of the amphitheater and it be turned, it's turned into a makeshift studio. Uh, and I remember that a couple of times with like one, two, three, four, five, six, uh, which was a premiere uh, in 2016. And, you know, that was a, an idea I had uh, for Michelle. It was her first time coming to the festival. And I said, Michelle, I want, I want a piece where you're the engine. And then we bring in other dancers. And that was that was the idea. Mm -hmm. And then uh, we were talking about music. And I said, well, what if we use that that wonderful clapping music rhythm of Steve Reich's? Uh, and then, you know, we kind of sat there. And then it didn't really happen until we were in the basement and kind of with a makeshift tap floor. And suddenly, you know, there was Robbie and there was Melissa Toogood and there was Lil Buck and Michelle was the engine. And it was just being made as we went. I mean, it's just that that kind of thing. It just happens. And the same thing last year uh, with Carolina Shout, uh, with Jason Moran. Jason had brought that piece to my attention. Uh, and I thought, you know, there's something so magical about the idea of mixing uh, Michelle and Buck in that, mm -hmm. with that music with Jason, uh, and lots of implications within the music itself, uh, and lots of opportunities for uh, rhythmic exploration. Um, so the social impact part was met with this, you know, level of musicianship that they both have as dancers. Mm -hmm. uh, and again, we were in the tent, and I remember Michelle had arrived late, uh, typically in the middle of the night. And <laughs> first thing in the morning, there we were, and uh, it was, uh, you know, magic starts happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I love that you just said rhythmic exploration because I think that, that exploration is really the the name of the game in Vale. Even thinking back now, I remember that um, Pam uh, working with Patricia. Pam had not really done much point work in her choreography, and that was something that she wanted to explore. And it was like Vale is such a perfect place to provide those opportunities to its artists. It's really about exploration. 
so much. I, want, I, mean, that, I was always kind of intent, you know, uh, things are always local uh, <laughs> or personal. And, you know, I remember as a dancer, I wanted those next steps, you know, mm-hmm. what would the next step be? And often it had to do with trying something new, something with a new partner, something as a guest somewhere, something that then I could absorb, make my own and, you know, make, make regular in some mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was always on my mind that there should be a next step in Vail for every person who's involved, whatever you happen to be. If you're a musician, if you're a dancer, poser, choreographer, uh, visual artist like Andrea Selby or something, you know, there's like all these possibilities, photographer like Bayano, Aaron. Uh, what's the next step for each person at whatever position they are in their career? If you're, mm-hmm. you know, first time at the festival, uh, never been before, what's yours? And, or if you're, you know, Tyler, who's been coming since 2008, mm-hmm. uh, that there always has to be something more. So sometimes it's about new work. Sometimes it's about repertory, you know, expanding uh, across styles. So I know that we're going to show the wonderful pieces from Mazurkas by Jose Lamon mm-hmm. uh, with, with Tyler and Robbie Fairchild. Uh, from a few years ago and that again that type of exploration of getting to to further your own practice by you know working with a you know a stager an expert in limon and uh for both of them was uh was a wonderful chance to watch that sort of development uh, and that's typical of what, of what we try and do uh you know there's always this chance for something new to happen uh, and it's not always just new work mm-hmm. it might be you know going somewhere with someone you just don't get a chance to do in your real life. Right. right. Let's talk about some of that um, expansion of repertoire uh, that we see so much at Vail. A lot of that centers sometimes around the Balanchine rep and the Robbins rep, um, much of which we will be seeing as part of this festival. And we'll also be having an educational evening uh, that talks about passing on Balanchine, which is something that's so integral um, at the festival. So tell us a little bit about why you and your wife, Heather Watts, uh, find that so important important and what you hope to be offering these dancers who are getting to maybe dance something they wouldn't get to otherwise at their home company. So it's part of, it's really part of the, the founding documents, if you will, mm-hmm. but this mm-hmm. is a, a chance for that type of transfer of information of devotion uh, to this work. Uh, I myself arrived in New York after Mr. Balanchine passed, but I did work with Jerry, but Heather worked so closely with Mr. Balanchine. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I remember her telling me, uh, he said to her, uh, you know, he would, he would work with the dancers or work with her and the day of the performance might seem, uh, almost too much. Like you can keep giving so much information. And if that became kind of the mood a little bit on the dancer, like, how am I supposed to do this tonight? He'd say, it's okay. Not tonight. Teach your children. Hmm. And that that's kind of the thing. You guys do that big time. So <laughs> we look at the dancers and we think, all right, next step. Here we go. You know, and, uh, you know, someone like Calvin uh, Royal Third, who's our artist in residence this year and next in deference to our situation. Though, as I always say, if you're an artist in residence, fail, you never get out. You know, you've got a whole jar. But he does get a double year just by definition. Well deserved. Right you know, his repertory has been expanding through, you know, from from Stars and Stripes to Agon and Apollo, uh, Afternoon of a Fawn. And in each of these cases, uh, you know, he's working so closely with Heather on those balancing works and with me on, on some of them where, I, where appropriate. And it just feels like uh, the opportunity of a lifetime. 
Mm -hmm. to get that kind of focus. Uh, and I remember it so well from my own dancing when that would happen, how important it was and how, uh, you know, you want to, you want to go back when you think back and say, Oh, these were the moments. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember certainly, you know, uh, as you guys know from your days with, with Eddie Palella, you know, the mm -hmm. things he told me, you know, I remember after Tchaikovsky potted in the hallway, you know, he said, put his hand on his hip and he said, you know, he's not this guy. He's not this guy. He's not the guy with the hand on his hips. It's different. You know? And I thought, Oh, wow. Right. I was like 22 outside mm -hmm. the stage in Saratoga. Mm -hmm. And it was just that, that note that counts, you know, right. that's what you want to, that's what you want to engineer. You know, you want to say, okay, this is a place for that. Mm -hmm. uh, so watching, you know, Midsummer Night's Dream divertissement, you know, I remember watching so closely as Heather coached Tyler in that, you know, over and over again, and just the, the level of expectation of what musicality can be so much more than being on the music, you know, just trying to get to the place it is uh, on an, on that, you know, asymptotic level. You're never going to get there, but it's a practice. Mm -hmm. That's how we yeah. do it. So those, those pieces, luckily, you know, some of them will be in the, in the festival. Some of them people will have to come next year. Uh, <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. Because there's, uh, you know, the, there's the record and then there's the ongoingness of it. Mm -hmm. And that happens uh, throughout those, those, uh, those standard pieces, if you will, like Tchaikovsky Padada has had a number of people, you know, make their debuts uh, in Vail. Uh, just thinking most recently probably was Roman. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Uh, and that's a, you know, it's a great chance to, 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 to work with somebody who's got all that, uh, you know, energy and, and readiness and then say, this is your first Tchaikovsky Padada. Let's, let's, mm -hmm. let's talk about it. And a lot of it is talking. A lot of it is, in fact, trying to understand it, you know, what the possibility is. Uh, and not thinking about perfection, but thinking about uh, something a little more ambitious mm -hmm. than that, actually. Yeah. Uh, that, you know, and that I remember Joe Gordon making his debut in Chai Pa. And, you know, just over and over again, you know, these are, these are roles that do get passed down, that they are, no one, no one owns them forever. Mm -hmm. uh, so being a part of that, uh, that, you know, kind of passing on is hugely important to me and mm -hmm. it's important to Heather. And how we manage the, the opportunity is uh, is a gift, you know, right. to do that. Yeah. So it's not just um, that the dancers from ballet theater get to um, immerse themselves in these Balanchine Robbins roles. You know, uh, plenty of dancers that you bring up from city ballet may not have had the opportunity to do a Black Swan or a Corsair. So definitely those war horses are a big part of Vale too. Like we were just talking about before we got on this call, um, you know, like sometimes you just want to see 32 Fuetes. <laughs> and so Vail gives you what you want. But um, well, let's, talk a, let's yeah. talk a little bit about the classical rep. So the classical rep is, a, is ever present. And it's it's deep in the, certainly in the history of Vail, which the, the festival itself started as a the Bolshoi Ballet Academy became a resident uh, kind of annual visitor to Vail as, a, as an academy. And in that tradition, there was, uh, you know, a steady diet of, uh, of war horses, if you will. Uh, but, you know, again, in my career, I was always, you know, going off to do a gig, you know, doing Don Q with Paloma in mm -hmm. Moscow or <laughs> you know, Corsair with Julie somewhere else. And that was like the doubling down on it. Ballerina, mm -hmm. I didn't get to work with all the time. Repertory, right. you know, that I loved. I grew up watching Misha do these ballets and just mm -hmm. think, you know, and Giselle and, you know, so on and so forth. So, you know, looking at, you know, Lauren Lovett making her debut in Giselle. 
was like a, a wonderful thing and to mm -hmm. see how that could how that could transpire and with a, you know a partner like airman or uh you know to see how that can happen uh mm -hmm. and to work on it and to bring in the coaching that's that's necessary for that uh and then all the you know your yes corsair and this yes 32 fuetes but i think what it, <laughs> what i said to you was yeah especially when it's tyler doing double front attitude fuetes right. yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that's something you know again kind of evolutionary if right. you will uh so looking forward to sharing some of those in some sort of montage mm -hmm. uh again the challenge being how do we how do we you know do everything uh right and you know for the you know it's interesting the the dancers who you know come to Vale expect that that challenge mm -hmm. that's the thing you know to have that that other thing you know is is so important right. and it is the antithesis in that way of your typical gig mm -hmm. you know your typical gig at least in the old days you brought your cd now you send an empty <laughs> but you know you brought your cd in your costume and you showed right. up and you did your thing mm -hmm. uh generally and this is you know such a, that's such a small part of it actually that that aspect. Um, it's much more typical that, you know, you end up in a situation where you're um, thinking about the still point, which we revived last mm -hmm. year, Todd Bolander's piece, which is right. rarely, rarely seen uh, for Devin and Corey from mm -hmm. IBT. And I get a chance to kind of do two things at once to, to find, you know, a way to make a piece that's not seen that much kind of live on the stage at the same time, some dancers find a new way to kind of develop themselves through a piece. I think that's great. Or yeah. Elegy. Elegy was, you know, uh, we're going to show that. That's the Balanchine solo. He made several versions. The last version was uh, for Suzanne Farrell uh, shortly before uh, the end of his life. Mm -hmm. uh, we did that as a revival uh, for Carla Corbis. Uh, and that was a process that was, you know, really personal and magical. And uh, watching a dancer in, uh, in just, you know, Carla's just got... So many extraordinary gifts uh, as a ballerina, uh, but to apply them to that, you know, kind of moment, if you will, that moment is is yeah. really something. That revival kind of moment. I think that um, I, I'm really glad that you're we're going to get the chance to see Elegy because that's one of my favorite things about the way you treat the Balanchine repertoire. Yes, we get to see Agon. Yes, we get to see Stars, and we all love those works, but. Um, so many times you we get to see these little gems that are just rarely or almost never done and they get the same amount of attention and love that an agon or a stars does so it's all, you know it's a piece of the puzzle and that's mm -hmm. the thing that's also the thing about about veil that's kind of wonderful is that the, the the community uh you know everybody's around and everybody kind of has a sense of what's going and sometimes they they're they really know. And sometimes they're just like, you know, you don't, you, you say, Oh my God, what's been going on in that room the last two hours, something was just made. Yeah. Uh, you know, at a picture like the, the canteen at the theater, I remember last year looking around and just thinking, this is Brigadoon. You know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> there was Alonzo King over there, Caroline Shaw, Jason Moran, you know, it's just like these voices that are so, so important in, mm -hmm. in and all the and little butt comes walking in and you know just keeps going you know so, so so that that that's really something i mean i remember like some of the things that i remember when time it was was being made bill Irwin and tyler's uh duet uh and that was a steady kind of creative process that went on for about four months starting in the city uh and trying to figure out you know how to navigate a world of a you know, a clown of one age and a ballerina of another age, 
and settled on the idea of time. And I remember Bill and I started talking about metronome and it being a metronome. And then we actually figuring out, okay, what's the appropriate tempo? Mm-hmm. You know, it turned out it's 116. Time it was 116. That's what the title is. That's the metronome beat. Love which, it. which guides that whole piece. So cool. But that was a piece that like when people kind of would take a day off or something and not see and come back, they'd be like, what is happening here? <laughs> because it was, you know, such a, <laughs> totally different. Such a you know, this story was being created, mm-hmm. you know, a clown and a ballerina in the space of time. Yeah. Uh, and so we'll show that as well. Um, we've got uh, a new work by Bobby Jean Smith. Can, uh, can we talk about that? Because another quarter, we're talking yeah. about cre- creating new works, and that's a cornerstone of Veil for sure. And the now premieres is an evening that is always incredible because there's so many new works all in one evening. And we're having that again virtually. Tell us like what the process has been like for these creations and how you've developed the ideas and how is that collaborating still happening from all across the yeah. country, maybe even the world? I don't know. <laughs> well, you know, we're trying to, to maintain the, the focus of, you know, uh, how can we be creative in this time in a different level, different mm-hmm. way, you know, not trying to just duplicate. Um, so in this case, it's, you know, it's a trio. I asked Bobby Jean, who was going to be doing a new work. For the festival, I said, you know, can you imagine doing this for, you know, virtually, if you will, mm-hmm. virtual, virtual premiere. Uh, and it's her and Melissa Toogood uh, and Calvin. And, you know, she's been choreographing it on Zoom with them and they'll mm-hmm. be filmed. Uh, so nobody will ever be in the same frame. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she's making a work that is uh, cohesive. Um, so, so we'll see. Uh, and I'm looking forward to it. It is a new work. So, you know, we'll see what it, how it, how it comes together, mm-hmm. but I didn't want to let that opportunity go. No. I mean, I, let's, let's, let's start, let's try, let's just not do all archive. Mm-hmm. Uh, it also looks like we're going to have a little pièce de Cajon from Robbie. Uh, oh, cool. nice. So cool. something fun, uh, that will, will also spring in the world. Uh, so, you know, the, the, the premieres are, have become an increasingly important part uh, of the festival over years now. I guess 2011 uh, was our first Now premieres. Mm-hmm. That was all about Now, and I called it Now because much of it was being done right then. Uh, <laughs> I didn't have that quality of the immediate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, and also taking advantage of uh, the opportunities, again, like we discussed earlier about Michelle, you have these two people or five people or 10 people in one place that you're probably not going to have again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I remember that with like Fang Yi, Fang Yi Shu and Ron Miles. And I, I was talking to Fang Yi about what she wanted to do. And she just said, Ron. And I said, mm-hmm. what do you mean? Ron Miles. I want to do a piece with Ron Miles. And I was like, mm-hmm. okay. <laughs> what is it? You know, and it's it just went from there. Right. Uh, and you had this, you know, extraordinary gram dancer with Memphis Joker. Uh, kind of uh, again, you didn't you didn't want to leave the room because mm-hmm. something was being created. And the history, of course, is also let's not forget the very beginning of Vale uh, under my direction brought Christopher Wielden out with Morphosis, right. uh, which had its debut performance uh, my uh, 2007 at the first festival I was directing. So, and he made a number of new works in Vale, uh, including uh, the duet "This Bitter Earth," uh, which um, is uh, you know now done a lot of places. You know, mm-hmm. City Ballet. It's it's a frequent piece. But I have to say, there's something different. And I always said this about dancing in Vail. It's very different when you're dancing a piece uh, on that outdoor stage, mm-hmm. the 
amphitheater mm-hmm. rockies at night it's just something else and uh we uh so we'll we'll represent that as one of the pieces uh of, of quite a few that have gone on to have bigger lives outside of uh vale but then again we'll do it vale way uh we'll have kate davis singing it mm-hmm. which is the best, the best. Uh, kate is so amazing and you would see elsewhere uh, and right. it'll calvin and isabella boylston doing yeah it. how many years are we um, spanning. spanning like what's the earliest roughly 10 okay okay roughly 10 um mm. one of the pieces is a wonderful solo ron brown made uh for matthew rushing uh, uh called release my heart and it was a it was a solo that he concocted out of a larger group piece but it was a new you know a new new version a new uh, episode and that came actually from 2007 uh, it was the very first year I was directing, mm-hmm. but we're going to show uh, a film of Matthew doing that from 2012. Okay. So it's still in the tent. Right. right. Okay. <laughs> so that's probably the, the earliest uh, of the new works that um, mm-hmm. was actually premiered in Vail. So for audiences who have never had the chance to come to the Vail Dance Festival, and this is going to be their first exposure, um, what do you hope that they're going to take away from this digital season? What, what makes Vail special? Hmm. You know, I think it's, uh, you know, I, I don't want to presume, but I hope people will find, you know, the the level of surprise uh, that, that's possible uh, when you have such an extraordinary group of artists, you know, working together in some way, you know, that that's, that this is what can happen. And I think that it's, uh, you kind of have to be there to, 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 to see it. And in this case, we're getting to share it, which is wonderful. You know, it's like to, to imagine, you know, and, and everybody kind of approaches it that way now, which is what's so great. You know, and Justin was coming out to choreograph uh, for the first time. It was all about, okay, I have never got to work with Airmont. And next mm-hmm. thing, so that, that's for him. That was, you know, and then, oh, I love Caroline Shaw's music. Let's have, you know, a new work by Caroline Shaw. So it's just that kind of thing that is a, it's a pyramid and you start mm-hmm. building from. Then they get addicted. I mean, Justin, he was, he loved his time in Vail and now he, he was so upset that, you know, he had conflicts last year and yeah. he just, he just wants to be out in bail all the time. <laughs> well, I think he really threw himself into it and took advantage of every aspect, which I just love to see. And we'll be seeing uh, that I piece as well, right? Yeah. You'll see rise, Wade climb through, mm-hmm. uh, which is, uh, just new, new choreography and new music, uh, Justin Peck, Caroline Shaw. You know, I think the other thing I'd say is that I, I, I love the idea that people will get to see artists develop over time. Mm-hmm. And they can only see so much from performance. You know, that's where being in Vail, you, you might see rehearsals, you see kind of other things that go on in the, you know, the dancing in the streets, the community events that we do, which are so, uh, you know, much, so much a part of the, the festival, the education programs and other things uh, of which you're a part of as well. Uh, you know, it's hard to represent all of that in a digital festival, but I think mm-hmm. you'll get a sense of it. Um, right. When I think about, you know, people who've come through the festival, uh, you know, Claudia Schreier comes to mind, uh, who was an intern, uh, my first year in 2007 and 2008, uh, we worked together for many years, uh, as colleagues, assistant choreographer to me on projects at Jazz at Lincoln Center and Kennedy Center Honors and things. And she's choreographed steadily in Vail over the last many years. And so one of her pieces will be there, the one she made, uh, on, uh, Valley Hispanico. Uh, but again, it's a progression. And I think that, you know, you'll start to see that uh, in the in the course of the festival that people have developed over time. And that's so important to me that this is a this is a, this is a growth for everybody. And for people who want to tune in, how should they do that? How can they watch? You can go to uh, veildance.org 
and right from there, you can see it'll be broadcast on uh, on the usual channels on uh, Facebook and and so and so forth. But I would just go to veildance.org and you'll see the full schedule, uh, which is always developing in true veil style. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it won't be baked probably until shortly before uh, we actually have to to hit go. Uh, but uh, I can tell you that. Uh, Friday, July 31st, will be our opening night. Mm-hmm. Uh, and from there, we'll do a virtual gala. We'll do a, uh, a night of premieres. Uh, and then we'll have a closing night, which features uh, Michelle Dorrance's uh, We Seem to Be More Than One, mm-hmm. uh, which combines so many different elements of the festival. And in between those, we'll have several of your conversations on dance with mm-hmm. individual artists uh, and a special program that Heather and I will do on passing Balanchine on. So excited uh, for that. Yeah, Heather has done so uh such extraordinary work with these artists over the years so we're going to highlight that mm-hmm. and how long will these be up for if, if someone can't make the exact uh, premiere time do we get another chance to see it in about another week basically Great. uh you know let be an extra week uh and then we'll, we'll also continue to roll out some material after the festival kind of uh digital bonus type things mm-hmm. because they, you know, in the course of this we've certainly uncovered things that you know we just couldn't fit in uh to the mm-hmm. format right we want to share so sure. more to come, in other words, and we hope everybody will, you know, share and, you know, enjoy it and, uh, and then hope everybody will come to Vail next summer. That's Definitely. Right. Everyone's going to get the Vail bug. We know what that's like. So. <laughs> we sure do. <laughs> we're so sad that we can't all be together, but we're so glad that we found this way that we can all still connect with the Vail Dance Festival and revisit all these beautiful memories and get pumped for 2021. <laughs> that's right. This, this is, uh, but this is a chance to, you know, really take a look, take a, take a step back and kind of celebrate the work that these artists have done. I love it. Thank, Thank you, you so much for joining us, Damien. And we, we are look, so looking forward to all the content coming up. Thank you both so much. Thank you for joining us this week. If you would like to support the Conversations on Dance podcast, there are a few ways that you can help. Click over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. Download episodes when you listen to allow our analytics to better understand our listenership. Join our Facebook group, Conversations on Dance, Friends of the Pod, or you can offer a donation. Conversations on Dance has always been and will always be free to our listeners. You can help us continue to create and produce this unique behind-the-curtain look at the dance world by visiting conversationsondancepod.com support. Thank you for tuning in. See you next week. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.